0: Now the movie is for the dads, and <laughs> that's just weird because dads don't play with toys. So I whoa, don't whoa, know whoa, what has is doing. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa! What? No kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if we can be friends anymore, DJ.
1: <laughs> this is episode thirty-nine of the Movie Bite Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, TV shows, and more. Today is Wednesday, April 10th, 2013. I'm your host, TJ, and I'm joined by my co-host, Joe Darnell.
0: Welcome back, TJ.
1: It is good to be back, I think.
0: Mm, well, it had better be. You know, this is home this is home. So yeah,
1: no, I'm I feel I feel like I'm at home.
0: Good. Alright. <sighs> so have you seen any good movies lately?
1: Um Define good.
0: (laughs) Mm, Movies that you enjoy, I guess, would be a prerequisite.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did enjoy The Host. Um, I did not enjoy G.I. Joe Retaliation. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Ooh. But, uh, so that's what we'll be talking about, (laughs) is my not enjoying (laughs) G.I. Joe Retaliation.
0: Hmm. I haven't had the opportunity to get on Netflix lately. Or, if I had, I probably would have seen something better than what we have seen lately in the theaters. Um hmm, one of these days we're gonna have to talk about movies like the Evil Dead, one of these days uh in general, as in like Ugh. what is it we think about them
1: i I just, can't avoid them forever I know, but I just oh my goodness i I had no I have no desire to see that film at all,
0: yeah, me neither uh, you know one of the guys here in the office took his girlfriend to see it, and he didn't bother to look into what the movie was about before he did he had the Totally wrong impression of what the movie was about, and it yeah. his girlfriend out. And she told him that he won't be picking out any movies for <laughs> dates for the foreseeable future. <laughs> I don't blame her. <laughs> yeah,
1: I just uh, man, I, 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 I mean, okay, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with horror in general, although I don't tend to like them as much. But I, uh, uh, this film just looked really way terrible. across my line and terrible and like uh, conjuring spirits and, and stuff that I, I, you know what? There's better things to watch. There really is. So I know that I'm supposed to review all kinds of movies. I'm not interested in reviewing that one. So there you go.
0: Hmm. There are so, there are so many evil dead movies too. Okay. So if I look at the one that's go, uh, in theaters currently, it's getting a 7.4 stars on IMDb. Which is more star power than the two movies we're reviewing tonight. But that doesn't say anything, because I think that all the figures on IMDb are a little bit skew. Yeah. What is it showing on Rotten Tomatoes? That's Here a good question. Are. Okay, Rotten Tomatoes' audience is giving it a 76%, and the critics gave it a 64 And the general consensus uh-huh. is it may lack the absurd humor that underlined the original but the new look Evil Dead compensates with brutal terror, gory scares, and gleeful, gleeful bloody violence. See, I think that that's probably the bottom line for me is what it highlights as its um, forte are things I have no desire to be entertained yeah, by. Yeah, I I Gleeful I agree. bloody violence.
1: And see, I don't, I don't mind violence in movies to an extent, but but when the whole point of the movie is the violence, this is not, this was not a planned topic, by the way, but here <laughs> it just sort of came up. Yeah, um, no,
0: it, it's inevitable, right? It's going on right now. It's a popular subject. Yeah, this movie I mean, is going on, and people have been talking about it in the comments, and I think you know they should have a little bit of a sideways answer. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, f- I feel like the difference, I think, between what I like in a film that might have violence versus this film. And again, I'm, I'm speaking without having seen it. I'm going to have to go see it so that I can speak to it more th- authoritatively and either be wrong or be right. But it- it's like the point of the film is the violence, not that the violence has uh, another point. You see what I'm saying?
0: Right. It's about freaking your, you know, get getting the adrenaline going and freaking out the audience. It's really shallow. It's about, you know... Yeah, just to, you know, it's just, you know, really disturbing you in the moment, giving you a hard time to sleep that night. And the more, more difficult it is to sleep that night, the more successful the movie is. Uh, This is not my thing.
1: No, mine either. Mine either. (laughs) And and I I would never
0: want anything like that in my home where the kids could accidentally see it. So there's another reason not to, you know, get too close and too familiar with these films.
1: Yeah, no, I agree.
0: Well, okay, so let's get on to the serious business.
1: Yeah, let's do uh, it. You, you, you uh, have something you want to talk about.
0: Well, we have a couple of things. We have two movies, so we shouldn't probably spend too much time on our other side stories. But the, there are some interesting pieces here to note. Um, the first one I wanted to highlight was, uh, you know, Roger Ebert passed away. And it's all very sad. It's kind of like, you know, over here, we would be flying our flag at half mass if we had one.
1: Agree absolutely. I wish there was some sort of way I could represent that on Movie Byte. Absolutely agree. It 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 really is. Uh, oh wow! What do you say? I mean, uh,
0: <laughs> well, everybody's going to miss him. You know, if you don't remember who Roger Ebert is off the top of your head, he is one of the most, the most foremost renowned movie critic in North America.
1: He he was the first. I would say the first kind of. Uh, doing what kind of what we do, like blogging about movies.
0: But before there was blogs, (laughs) he was in the newspapers. He was in the magazines. Yeah. Yeah. And he was in the media and he kind of set the tone and the paces for this corner, this niche of media. Yeah. So Clark Douglas, who was on our podcast last episode, he had a few words to say about him on his own site. He said, the realization that I would never again read a new Ebert review was nothing short of alarming. The man is more or less single-handedly responsible for my interest in film criticism. During my teenage years, I would quickly follow each movie I watched with a visit to Ebert's website and read his review. Sure, I read reviews by other critics, but my relationship with Ebert was on a different level. There was something about the deeply personal, candid, unpretentious way that the famed Chicago Sun-Times critic expressed his views, which really resonated with me. This is kind of choking me up, to be honest, too. Uh, His work had a a conversational quality, a plain-spoken sincerity, which made him stand apart from the crowd. He marched to the beat of his own drum regardless of where critics the critical uh, consensus drifted and permitted his emotions to drive his reviews to an extent that few other critics seemingly are comfortable with.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I, I strive to be a different kind of movie critic too, right? I, I don't want to stand in the, in with the crowd. I want to stand apart, but Ebert really did do that. And Ebert is, is one of the critics that, uh, uh, you know, I don't even think of myself as a movie critic. I should clarify. I, I'm a guy that reviews movies on MovieBite. But But, uh, y- you know, Ebert is one of the movie critics. He was a movie critic, but he was one of the ones, one of the few I enjoyed to read. Like, I, I I didn't have him on my, like, I visit his site every day kind of thing and see what new reviews he's got. But when I was interested in a film and what someone had to say about the film, the first place I would go is I would Google Roger Ebert and then the film name. And see what he had written about the film because i respected his opinion i didn't always agree with his opinion but i respected it because i knew that it was candid he didn't have any specific agenda he wasn't targeting you know seo keywords like so many uh so many movie reviews and sites do nowadays uh he was just telling you how he felt about the film and uh, yeah i I absolutely agree with what clark is saying here and Mm -hmm. and it really was um you know, was is, he
0: really represented an extraordinary circumstance. There's not many people who could do what he did, and t- and take movies seriously, and also not so seriously that you couldn't take him serious. That's right. a fine line.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. His, I think his death was in in some ways expected. You know, right? I mean, he's been health you know, having health issues for years. He's been battling cancer. He's had jawbone removed. He couldn't speak. He couldn't eat. He's been living on a feeding tube for, what, what was it, 2006 when that happened? And and so, you know, on the one hand, it's like, well, who couldn't see it coming? But on the other hand, it's like, he was such a fixture. You know, he mm. was always there reviewing movies. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely. Don't,
0: I don't get the impression that he was mm-hmm. expecting to pass away quite so soon based on his formal announcement on his website.
1: No, he, he certainly wasn't. Um, It was unexpected. Unexpected in that, in that I think that he knew it was close, but not this close. And, uh, yeah, he had just made announcements and they did move forward. By the way, the new website is beautiful. If you haven't checked it out, make sure right. you do go there. RogerEbert.com.
0: That's actually a very good point. Uh, you know, I find the website to be very useful in terms of its content up to now. And now the website is extremely functional. It's got a whole new yeah, interface. I, I have it to say is so good.
1: I, I always hated the old website. It was awful. Awful, he, awful. He,
0: he he will be missed. His reviews will be missed. But thankfully, the site goes on, and people with a like-minded review system will continue to write for it. So I'm very happy to see that. Yeah, and right the website now, continues to be very useful.
1: Yeah, right now he his his team that he's handpicked over the years, knowing that he would be passing on. You know, especially like uh, Richard Roper as his star pupil, and uh, then you know you've got uh, uh, Jim Emerson. Let's see. I'm I'm looking through here. I I don't see where I can see all the different contributors. Oh, here we go. Uh, so, I, I you know I don't know all these people, but um you know it, 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 he did say that the that even before he passed away that these people were going to be writing more reviews uh with RogerEbert.com and that he had handpicked the team. So you mm-hmm. got to have respect for that. Like they they were handpicked by Roger Ebert. So. It'll be interesting, and the new website is definitely a very nice website. Uh, I, I like it so much, but the old website was terrible. I loved the reviews, and I hated the website. So the new one is very nice. Mm. Be sure to check that. I put that in the show notes. Very so, good. Yeah.
0: Well, TJ, you go ahead and talk about the next topic.
1: <clears throat> All right. Uh, we have a new title and synopsis for the TV show, the upcoming TV show, Shield, which hasn't even been ordered yet, right? I mean, this <laughs> this show is still uh, trying to sell itself to ABC. ABC's mm. ordered the pilot. They have not ordered the show. But uh, <laughs> ABC has released some new information about their pilots, which includes a new title for S.H.I.E.L.D., for the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. Apparently, possibly to segregate it from a TV show called The S.H.I.E.L.D. The new title is listed as, Marvel, is listed as Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And and you know what? I, I really hate that new title. I really do. That... that It's it's a functional title. It's not a creative title. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a mouthful. And it it seems like a politically driven titling of the show. What do you think? Well,
0: and what kind of bugs me, too, is that the TV show The S.H.I.E.L.D. was a TV show that ran from 2002 through 2008. It's not even a current show anymore.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, on the one hand, I can see... Why you wouldn't want? I mean, it's current enough. I mean, you, and you never want to take the exact same name as a previous show. I mean, that's problematic, right? But at the same time, it's not the same name. It's a different name. It's Shield. And it's Marvel's, you know, Marvel Agents of Shield, as as the title, descriptive title now says. But
0: <laughs> ugh, yeah, I, that's a horrible name. It really is. I don't think it matters so much at the at the end of the day whether or not it's called, you know, Superboy or Smallville. So long as the TV show is actually pretty good. You know, uh, and and I don't know that this uh, is too much to be concerned about, but at the same time, you have the good point that this sort of decision seems like it was led by production studio bureaucracy.
1: Agreed. That's, that's what concerns me. Not the name. I mean, I mean, the name is, is not that big of a deal. Like I remember, um, not liking the name Stargate SG one. And yet it's one of my favorite all time TV shows, uh, and I, I don't have any opinions about the name one way or the other. Now I still think it could have been titled better, but Stargate SG One. What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> the name Stargate wasn't that bad, but but I remember Leonard Nimoy talked about how he when he heard the name Star Trek he hated it, and now he doesn't even think about that anymore because you know that was his show for like you know that's the show that he's famous for, and you know the, the 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 character of the show can influence your thinking about its name.
0: Now, we haven't talked about this show before on the podcast. Do you want to give the people the synopsis? Because I don't think everybody would be exactly up to speed or remember off the top of their head, you know, how this relates to Marvel's comics and the movies.
1: Okay. I mean, I think we have talked about it on the podcast, but that couldn't oh, have hurt. We? Uh, okay. I think we have. I don't remember for sure. I, I I find it hard to remember what I've talked to you about and what I've talked on the podcast about because I am talking to you on the podcast. All right. So, <laughs> fresh from his role in the summer's box office smash, Marvel's The Avengers – Agent Phil Coulson returns to the worldwide law enforcement organization S.H.I.E.L.D. He puts together a a small, highly trained team of agents to tackle the cases that haven't been classified yet, the new, the strange, and the unknown. That team consists of Straight Arrow, Agent Grant Ward, an expert in combat and espionage, pilot and martial artist, Agent Melinda May, and brilliant, if socially awkward, scientists, Agent Leo Fitz and Agent Gemma Simmons. They'll be joined by civilian new recruit and computer hacker, Sky. <clears throat> Excuse me. Prepare for an epic adventure that showcases the hope and wonder of the human spirit. This is a world of superheroes, <laughs> aliens, and the unusual of action, spectac- spectacle, and world-spawning stories. The I was just
0: show... like to – sorry, I'm... go ahead.
1: Okay, one more sentence. It uh, looks like one more sentence. The show will speak to the human condition through the lens of our very human non-powered S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, that together we are greater than we are apart and that we can make a difference in the world. Dun, dun,
0: dun. i i think that it's got loads of potential i would like to know how much they're going to tie in the marvel universe uh dc has already you know shown some successful tv show stuff in the past 10 years um at the same time a lot of very dismal disappointing unsuccessful tv show stuff so all the more power to them if this this can be led a little bit better by people like joss whedon in the background. I don't expect him to direct any episodes, but...
1: Well, he is it, directing the uh, pilot.
0: Ah, that should set the tone. That should sure. set the tone.
1: And, and I expect he will direct some shows here and there, like he did with Buffy, although I, I get the impression he was very involved with Buffy, and he did direct quite a few Buffy episodes. Mm. Uh, and But he's directing the pilot, and then he will be the showrunner in the background. So that is definitely... Very, huh. um, a, a very good thing. He's he's a good showrunner, and uh, that will be exciting. I mean, I know he hasn't had a lot of success recently, but most of it's not been his fault, as, as we've discussed before on the podcast. So, we're not going to rehash that.
0: Okay. Well, then I guess that kind of takes care of all my doubts, knowing that he is so closely tied to it. We'll Seems see. Like I mean,
1: it could still not, it could still fail, or the studio could still not order it. You know, it seems
0: highly pilot, unlikely, but. though, Yeah, given there's, his kind of track record. There's
1: a lot of momentum, too, behind this, yeah. right? I mean, I, I think that it's going to come. I, I, I don't think there's really much doubt at this point. So speaking mm. of Marvel, yes. um, Captain America 2 has begun production. This is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. It's set for release one year from now on April 4th, 2014. That's exactly how long directors Anthony and Joe Russo will have to complete the film. Principal photography began Monday, mm. and Disney released the first image along with a full press release – the, press, the release confirms the return of Chris Evans, Haley Atwell, Sebastian Stan, and the presence of new additions Robert Redford, Anthony Mackie, Frank Grillo, uh, and George's St. Pierre and others. Um, yeah. It's interesting that Haley Atwell is coming back. I, I suppose she'll – I think I have mentioned this on the site before. I suppose she'll probably be in flashbacks.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. That, well, in pro- – hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Considering how little – uh, time though Haley Atwell's character had with Chris Evans' character of the ca- of Captain America uh, in the military during the war. I wonder how much of that's actually going to be like unfolding uh, Captain America's memories, um, because you get the impression. I mean, I'm sure they could fudge on the timeline. The impression I had from the first film was that Captain America was on active duty and working alongside of the character played by ha- Haley Atwell, or, you know, it could have been a year, but it seems like anything relevant to their relationship was already exposed in that film. So oh, yeah, I wonder what was... else they could possibly explore.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, it does maybe, seem maybe, that way.
0: Maybe but... she's somehow tied to the villain, because the villain is supposed to be somebody from Captain America's past.
1: Yeah, so maybe, I mean, maybe she has something
0: to do with the villain.
1: Maybe they'll find a way to bring her forward too. Which, which, at the, uh, on the one hand, I go, oh, that would be such a plot device, yuck. And at the other mm. time, the, on the other yeah. hand, I really liked her. I liked her character, and so I would, I, I, I would maybe give it a pass. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah,
0: um, like if they can actually use her to be relevant to the story currently unfolding, beyond just you know some mushy stuff like Captain America pining over her and her loss. Um. It, it it was made clear at some point right that she's actually dead
1: no she's alive that's well, that's then, a problem so <laughs> ooh, i don't know how that, that might maybe be the change. trick maybe they'll change history but but would they even mm. use the same actress? because this has been like uh 60 years oh, I, I don't remember the exact timeline they, they spell off the timeline in the movie i don't remember what it is exactly but it's enough that she's going to be on you know close Agent. to dying <laughs> aged. she's going to be yeah. not far away from death and that would be a little weird for them to have a continued relationship now. And we know that Haley Atwell's – is it her daughter or her niece or some relation to uh, – I'm sorry. I'm, I'm using the actress's name because I'm forgetting the name of the character in the film right now, which is terrible because I like that character. Um, and I know you're not supposed to do that. Haley Atwell. Let's just, let's just uh, <laughs> fix this right now. So uh, anyway um, – Peggy Carter, yes. So we know that uh, I believe it's supposed to be the niece of Peggy Carter or something like that is in the film. We know that. So I, I don't know what they're going to do, and, and I really feel like that Peggy Carter will probably be in flashbacks. Is probably what's going to happen. I, I would guess. Yeah. You know now, I and the re- you know Joe, you do say you do have an interesting point that well, it feels like they exposed their entire relationship because we saw when he met her and we saw when he left her, basically when he got you know went down in the plane. Um, and but, there really wasn't but, any
0: change well, during the course of their relationship there.
1: But if you remember right, there was some areas in Captain America, too, where time was being <laughs> right. shown to be passing by us. Right. Like, they we're should, obviously yeah. moving right. ahead. Right. So it's possible that there's things that we didn't see, you mm. know. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, check out the article if you would like. Well, it.
0: Ch- check out the awesome photo. Yeah, it's a pretty cool picture of Captain America. Yeah, on Yeah, you, you like
1: the photo. I I just thought yeah. it was more interesting that it, uh, you know, that 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 they were filming, and and, and also I, I did love seeing the sea stands and the flags and all the equipment <laughs> that I'm familiar with because I'm on set a lot, you know, at different times. Uh, yeah, as a filmmaker, and it's you know, on set and there's <laughs> yeah. Captain
0: on set, and then you actually see parts of the set, but the stuff that's supposed to be behind the curtain, <laughs> breaking the fourth wall big time.
1: Good stuff um, yeah so uh anyway check this out this this link will be in the show notes when the show goes live uh that will be moviebyte dot uh, slash m b podcast slash thirty nine is where you will find the show notes
0: mm. and next we have a couple of great little video treats for everybody that is into the Tom Cruise movie oblivion that's coming out uh, here pretty soon,
1: man. I'm really looking forward to this film. I, uh, I hope I'm not yeah. disappointed. I, I feel like my expectations have been set too high, and I'm trying <laughs> to reset them. But they're they're pushing it really hard too. They're releasing. I mean, I, it's been a long time since I've seen a film push this hard. Uh, they're it,
0: really pushing it hard. And I th- and it, 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 tell me what you're thinking. Are you noticing just how many like making up videos that they are marketing, pushing, promoting?
1: They're definitely pushing the making up. They're pushing right. the angle that Kaczynski. But I, I think maybe they're doing it because uh, the Kaczynski. The thing that he did that's most notable at this point is um, Tron Legacy, and that's so CGI heavy. You know, you go, "Oh, is this going to be another CGI fest?" And, and and you know, CGI is okay, but those of us like you and me, we probably prefer things done practically whenever possible. I know I certainly do. I have strong opinions about that, and I feel like CGI is overused. And so they're really pushing. He's talking about how we achieved this effect to look realistic and didn't even use any CGI. And, and I've really yes. appreciated that though, but they're pushing it. They're really genuine
0: locations. It.
1: Yes. You know, the, one of the, one of the videos in the link that will be in the show notes for the oblivion featurettes that came, that I posted uh, today actually, uh, is they went up to Earl's peak to shoot some of these scenes up on the mountain. I mean, they, they, they that's, you a little bit of money to get up there with the helicopters and stuff. So, uh, well, one I, of the
0: other criticisms that Tron legacy experiences is that, it didn't have enough um, consistent action and that the action really wasn't all that interesting to a lot of people. So the other featurette is talking all about the action, how, what, you know, what that means to a Tom Cruise movie. And you get it from the director how this film has a lot of action. So it seems like they're trying to address the very concerns that people had with his previous movie.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and you know what? I have a lot of, I do, even though I think my expectations may be set too high, I do have a lot of hope uh, for this film. So,
0: Right. Marketing is very good. <laughs> it looks yeah. really interesting, people.
1: And this looks like the sort of, I know that a lot of people don't like Tom Cruise, but this looks like the sort of film he excels at. So I'm looking forward to it. Check right. It out and in the show that, notes. Well, that's the
0: other thing. Yeah, I can always back you up there. I'm not interested in most of his movies, but this one's got me peaked.
1: How can you not like Minority Report? Come on, man.
0: I didn't say all of his movies.
1: Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about the Elysium trailer. Is that how you say that? Uh, uh-huh. E- Elysium or Elysium or something like that. I, I don't know I think know it's much. Elysium. Okay, Elysium. Uh, this is from director, uh, the director of District 9, Neil Blomkamp, or is it Blomkamp? am <laughs> yeah, fun with that. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who really knows how you pronounce these Hollywood names? <laughs> so <Yeah>. anyway. Um,
0: <laughs> hey, I- I, you know, I just uh, tested out here. I, I use um, a keyboard command to select text and have my Mac read it aloud to me, and it reads Elysium as Elysium.
1: Well, you can't trust uh, Elysium. You can't trust OS X's uh, pronunciation. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, Alex. I don't trust Alex either. Yeah, he
1: he he produ- he says some weird things sometimes when reading text. But anyway, I, I don't know much about Elysium. Do you know much about no, that?
0: No, just what you have here. The the trailer seems to be saying a lot, even though it is a it is a teaser.
1: Yeah. Uh what was it? Uh, let me pull it up here. It was two minutes and thirteen seconds, so this seems like a full trailer. I don't think it's a teaser. I think right, it's a full but- trailer
0: for the majority of it it doesn't really say much about the characters and the story it says mostly things about the protagonist and what he's interested in but it doesn't identify the villain it doesn't explain why there is a threat that the protagonist is trying to remedy you know so it is still cloak and dagger stuff
1: yeah you know and i i i think that the villain in this film is going to be the rich the mean rich people which just you know um I'm sorry. I'm going to offend uh, any more so, liberal-minded so you, so you, folks that listen to our show. I, you know, everyone knows I'm a conservative. I've said it before, but you know what? That really bugs me. It really does bother me. Rich people are not the problem.
0: <laughs> well, so you're thinking that this is something like a futuristic version of Robin Hood?
1: A little bit, uh, sort of, like like or the mm. at least the idea of what people think Robin Hood is now. Yes.
0: Yeah in the theme not necessarily in what it's actually re- doing.
1: Right. What 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 was that film that had the word cloud in it not cloud atlas but um uh the conservative uh Ayn Rand thing that we yeah, reviewed Yeah, um, Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged. There we go. No, not cloud I had the word atlas in it that's what it was. <laughs> um anyway. <laughs> uh it feels like in it, it, they may be going for the opposite of the pol- political spectrum of that, maybe. I I don't know.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, I can see that. Kind of
1: an, 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 you know, opposed to kind of a thing. I don't know. We'll see. And I, I'm willing to give it a chance because it does look fun and interesting from a sci-fi standpoint, and I'm a huge sci-fi nerd, so yes. I'll give uh, one it a the, chance.
0: One of the things I, that impresses me is the idea of using an exoskeleton on the main protagonist that Matt Damon plays. That, ooh, that was a little creepy, wasn't it? Of, yeah, it's sort of like, <laughs> let's, let's give you the exoskeleton equivalent of the internal skeleton treatment that Wolverine has.
1: Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah.
0: And that, like, that, yeah, creepy. You know, while, it
1: was, while it was a little creepy, it creeped me out a little bit. It does look like an interesting sci-fi concept, maybe. So again, I'm willing to give it a chance and see what happens.
0: Well, and the other thing that's really effective of Neil's movies like district nine is how much he uses a uh, hackery, like uh, hacked technology. He borrows something old and mixes it within something new. And the trailer shows lots of examples of drab old dusty city buildings and people in everyday plain clothes like we would expect to see them today. But they're obviously in a future time where there's all kinds of technology in the midst of these cities that we don't have around today. So the protagonist is carrying a like some sort of rifle and it's heavily modified. It has all kinds of crazy doodads on it to make it a more powerful machine. Mm-hmm. But at the root of it, you can actually see it has wood fittings. And it's actually an old-fashioned sort of rifle with all these extraneous tech gadgets attached to it. And I love that kind of detail, that it's not all just a world made up unto itself that doesn't have a past history. And the same sort of thing went for a, you know last year's Looper. And one of the, it was one of the great qualities of Looper was that it felt like the world had a history, and you could see how everything had already been weathered. And that looks like something that Neil is going for.
1: Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm willing to give it a chance. So, cool. That's, that's all I have to say about that. I do want to talk about one thing before we get into our review of our two films. Uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago. Now, I think I, it was actually three podcasts ago, and I forgot about it the week before last, and I wasn't on the show last week uh but i did mention that i would uh read any reviews that people posted of the movie bite podcast on itunes and you know what people you didn't leave any for me to read so um <laughs> i'm disappointed in you guys come on help us out we've got uh 14 reviews over the course of several months and none of them uh the last one was on january 6 2013 um and i do we do appreciate you guys those of you who have reviewed podcast, we do appreciate it um B R E H M S T R uh nineteen ninety seven posted the last review. I thoroughly enjoy the podcast. Very interesting discussion of current and older films. I have watched many, many movies, but to listen to the discussion has been interesting to see movies from a different perspective. Thank you and keep up the excellent work. And we do appreciate you uh listening to the podcast and rating it. It's awesome. We need more. Uh we want to get this podcast up in the rankings on iTunes. So uh if you need to find our podcast on iTunes, you can search for it. The Movie Byte podcast or just Movie Byte podcast will definitely uh, get you uh, in the search. If you search for it, it'll get you there. You can also get to it from the Movie Byte page, um, moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast, and you can click the iTunes link there. Go give us some reviews. Give us some love. Uh, we, we need it. So thank you very much for that. And maybe I'll read your review on the show if you post it. So hmm. that's all I wanted to say on that topic. Cool. G.I. Joe Retaliation. Yes. It's a bad film. G.I. Joe. It's a bad film. Moving on. No. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. uh, So G.I. Joe Retaliation, if you don't realize this, people, this is a sequel to G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra or Rise of of Cobra. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, if you missed that movie entirely, you probably weren't missing anything because this movie doesn't really really build on it. No. Except that it, if you have seen the first film, it doesn't take as much time to introduce one of the central characters that is quickly eliminated from this film.
1: Yeah, I mean, ostensibly, you know, the the, we, the previous film was setting up the rise of the Cobra, as the film was titled "G.I. Joe: The Rise of the Cobra," and you know, this film, the bil- villain is ostensibly the Cobra, but
0: oh, not it, right. really,
1: it doesn't, but it doesn't really matter. Like, who cares? No, it, it
0: doesn't. It didn't.
1: It did, There was no continuity there.
0: Well, it makes more sense that the what you lose from missing the first film is the background on the villain, the villains. Uh, there are many and there there's many like subsets and different relationships and ways that they interact and don't interact and sometimes help good guys. And sometimes they're helping bad. It's just all, it's all over the place.
1: Yeah. But, well, and I, I think the thing that I missed with this film <laughs> is that in the previous film, it felt like there, you know, I, I mentioned in my review that I did, I posted earlier today That there was, you know, a little bit of character development in the previous film. There was a pretty heavy on action and and light on plot, but there was a little bit there. And they did put a little bit of thought into Cobra's character development. None of that was in this film.
0: Well, not only that, but Cobra was practically not in this movie. And when I say Cobra, I mean short for Cobra Commander.
1: Well, and it wasn't even the same actor, which but because they put that big metal thing over his face, it can be any actor, right? (laughs) So
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's, <sighs> not, that's not so much of a concern for me, so long as the story still sells itself fairly well. Um, not that the first one did, so yeah, I don't well, know why that, I should ever how, hope so. How did that so. work out for
1: you, Joe? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it didn't. Let's just say they killed it pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let, let's let's talk a little bit about this film. It had a budget yeah, details. of $130 million. It opened to 40 million, $40.5 million. That's, I assume, Joe, you put this in the in our show outline. I assume that's the uh, U.S. total. Yes. Domestic total. Uh, now, the total worldwide currently, uh, when you pasted this into our document here, Joe, was $231.6 million.
0: That was yesterday. You're just,
1: you're just encouraging to make films like this, people. You do realize that, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's going to be another one now because of That's because a lot of, of cash. That's, that's a lot of cash for a $130 million budget that's... Uh, uh, not, it's almost double. I'm sure it's going to get way over double by the time its theater run is done. So why are we encouraging them to make films like this? I don't understand. I don't no. understand.
0: When you went to see the movie, TJ, were there any kids in the audience? Any families, moms and dads taking out the kiddos? No,
1: there. I didn't see any kids. I saw uh, several younger teenage, probably teenage couples. Uh, you know, and the guys were really into the film for sure, and the girls huh. were like, it seemed like the girls were kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm here with my guy because he took me to Twilight. Oh. <laughs> That sort of thing
0: ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, quid book quo, well, okay well, the reason well, the reason I mentioned that was because I noticed in the audience I was in, as it turned out, all the people were m- like my peers' age, they were all twenty something year olds the, 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 the
1: kids who played with g i Joe's right,
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it makes um, sense. i'm I'm
0: one of them. I'm one of the many. Oh, um,
1: I had lots of different action figures, but yeah, go, no, no, yeah, go figure this out. You'll be so, you'll be so shocked at this, Joe. They were Star Trek action figures and maybe some Star Wars action figures, uh, and I think I lame. had some other. Oh no, not lame at all. These were <laughs> awesome. Don't be dissing my my childhood toys, man. Oh, well, but me, mostly, it'll... but mostly my toys <laughs> were Lego toys and blocks, as they say. I used to call okay, them Legos, let, but that's not.
0: Let, let, but wait a minute here, dude. Let's compare and contrast. With G.I. Joe's, you had all these points of articulation, and they always came with at least three accessories. And then not not just to mention that, they also had all these well-designed, highly sophisticated like v- vehicles, and they had flushed out every nook and cranny for both the good guys and the bad guys. They had every imaginable character that looked exactly like he did in the show, which is a big deal because most cartoons' toys don't represent the cartoons very well. Yeah, even Transformers. I'm looking at you, Hasbro. I hate your <laughs> guts. And then, yeah. So the toys have all these great points of articulation, and then the toys could have been used for any imaginable story because these guys look like plain clothed military guys. Like They're wearing a variety of different outfits. Some of them yellow, some of them purple, black, white, whatever. Apart from their colors, they just looked like they were they just looked like they were warriors, modern-day warriors. So you could always pretend that those were other guys that they weren't actually in the show, right? So you yeah, can make well, up your own stories.
1: If I couldn't pretend they were on the bridge of the Enterprise, I really just didn't care too much.
0: <laughs> you see, exactly, and that's the thing with any of the Star Trek stuff—they their uniforms and everything else gets in the way, and they don't have very many points of articulation.
1: I don't know. It Never stopped me from putting the Star Trek characters in anywhere and any time and place I wanted to.
0: <laughs> well, the the only thing I think the Star Trek toys are good for is collectors to keep them mint in the box and wait for decades <sighs> until Kirk. You know, Al- uh,
1: alas, I, I destroyed all mine by playing with them. You know, incessantly. Ah, DJ, arms fell off, and then they some of them got lost. Come on, I was a, I was a six or, six to eight year old kid. I mean, you know, that's no
0: excuse. I still have some of my toys from when I was four. Good for you. Yeah, I have several toys that are still relatively mint in the box.
1: Aren't you special?
0: Yes. Oh, uh, in another past life, I thought I wanted to be a lifelong toy collector.
1: You realize this is a rabbit trail, and we're about three or four miles down it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, I I, I don't care. One of these days, we're going to talk about toys more. (laughs) Okay. Toys should always be a side item whenever there's a movie about toys.
1: I suppose. Let's just say I'm a little bit... uh, I, I don't think Hasbro is turning out good content here um all right so the storyline framed for crimes against the country the gi joe team is terminated by the u.s president's order the surviving team members face off against zartan his accomplices and the world leaders he has under his influence in a diabolical scheme zartan has assumed the identity and likeness of the u.s president keeping the joes at bay while he terrorizes the world's elite nations
0: if there's anything you need to get from that it's that cobra command has infiltrated the white house they have their own little dude pretending to be the president and they've pulled the wool over everybody's eyes in the whole country and the world and the u.n and the military and all the gi joes and everybody else you name it and no one would ever figure it out except for the joes who seem to have like omniscient you know just uh, omnipresent knowing they just they, they have all these godlike they powers they, they just knew they just know everything they,
1: they did have to confirm it but they just knew
0: yeah and yeah, they <laughs> yeah, knew the it president was lame. Was really, yeah. it was really lame was, yeah. and, but
1: you, I, have to, I have to skip to the end here and this is you know i don't care because i don't like the film but this is a spoiler alert what what was the point right like when they got <laughs> to the thing and the and, and what was the point of deceiving the president you know and, and deceiving and making everybody know think that he was the president and getting there and launching all the nuclear weapons. So w- essentially what he wanted to do was already accomplished. Everybody, all the countries in the world launch their nuclear weapons. And instead of letting that play out, he just he, he self-destructs the American nuclear weapons and then all the other countries, he says, well, now who's striking who? And then the other countries all self-destruct theirs. And then he goes, okay, now we're going to destroy you with our really cool weapon instead of letting you destroy <laughs> each other with the nuclear weapons. I don't understand. Like, Mission was already accomplished.
0: No, what was he the didn't- point? Well, see, that's the thing. Cobra Commander... And Cobra Command, it's easy to misunderstand them in this movie because the movie does a horrible job of representing them. They actually want to take command of the world. They want to have a one-world government society, and they want to be at the top of it, and they want it to be a military occupation of the world. So they'll do whatever they need to. They'll wipe out every corner of the earth that they can, and so long as they leave part of it around that they can rule over. They don't care about all the continents, all the nations continuing to exist. They just care about that should there be any nation that survives them and their attacks, their terrorism, they will be ruling over them. That's the point. So they don't care if they blow up London, which we'll get to later. (laughs) It doesn't matter that it's one of the best, you know, cities in the world, you know. Doesn't matter all the technology that just went down the tubes and all the potential resources they just wiped out. None of that matters. Uh, well, general acclaim on Rotten Tomatoes is saying that, though arguably superior to its predecessor, which I kind of agree with, G.I. Joe retaliation oh, is no. overwhelmed by its nonstop action and too nonsensical and vapid. To leave a lasting impression.
1: I, I have to disagree with you completely, Joe. I don't think it's superior to its predecessor in any way. I I far prefer the predecessor. I I think. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I I wrote in the in the review that I would have rated it three and a half stars. I think I'm going to go with three stars actually on the previous mm. film. You're I, crazy. I, just slightly better than okay. Like just slightly better than neutral, right? As well, wait a minute.
0: When was the last before. time you saw the original?
1: Um, when did I see it? I, I didn't mm. see it in theaters. I think maybe I saw it last year.
0: Well, then what did you, what'd you get out of it? Did you think of it as action or, or did you think of it as action plus comedy or were you thinking comedy? What was it that you really appreciated about it?
1: Uh, it, I appreciated that while it was very action heavy, there was a little bit of character development and a little bit of plot that wasn't oh. completely nonsensical like this one.
0: Okay. I'll give it to you that there are character arcs. There are this, this some one has This one has no
1: character arcs at all. Yeah.
0: No, there aren't.
1: And the previous film did. So that's why I don't understand why you would think... Because you and I feel similarly about this, that character arcs are important. The previous film had some, and this one didn't. Why would you think that this one's more superior then?
0: I I see. Okay. The the superior nature of this film means it's just like half a star superior. I'm not saying it's actually that much better.
1: So you you would only rate the other one one star instead of one and a half.
0: Right. And the difference is that... I guess the thing that I disliked the most, though there are many things I disliked, is that there was a lot more machismo, just all this overly done posturing. In the first film. Yeah, and over-the-top acting. And I mean, you know, this film has that stuff too, but not as severely. At least ways I could, at times, pretend that they didn't say what they had just said and then look them straight in the eye and appreciate them for possibly pulling off the next scene uh but in the first film from the get go to the end it was so utterly insane people it was so crazy over the top ch- boyhood made up story fantasy play with toys like they it's like Hasbro did their research with 8-year-old boys with GI Joes and they had recorded hundreds of hours with the boys to see what kind of story would they would tell and they took that all of all of the, the notes for the basis for the first film. And it felt like it was so utterly ridiculous. So this film felt like they said, well, maybe we've made one mistake. We shouldn't have been doing research with eight-year-old boys. We'll do it with 12-year-old boys. We'll <laughs> see how they play with toys instead. Uh, and the results were mildly better.
1: I, I don't agree at all. All right, but so, so, okay, you have some likes here. I, I don't think I have many likes, but you have some likes, so let's talk about what you do like about this film. You've already touched on it a little. Is there anything else?
0: Uh, no. I, I thought there okay. were some interesting things that were going on behind the scenes. The film has basically been banned in Pakistan. Uh, that's interesting. And apparently the, the basis for it is that this film exposes them in some sort of negative light. I don't see that because the majority of the film is dealing with other countries.
1: Yeah. I didn't get it at all.
0: Yeah. me neither. <clears throat> so then there was a dude that died on the crew while they were filming in New Orleans. That happens, uh, you know, every few, you know, Bruce Willis action films that come out every couple of years or somebody who dies.
1: Hmm.
0: Mm. I did not know this one. Yeah. And then, uh, Though, hmm, th- this was a bit more interesting to someone like me, a reviewer, that Paramount delayed this movie a whole year just so that they could get it, you know, retrofitted for 3D. Uh, yeah, I,
1: okay. Yeah. I, I, interestingly, I was listening to this last film cast on my way home from uh, where I'm working for a couple of weeks uh, tonight. And as I was on my way home, I was listening to this last film cast and they're releasing uh, – they, they did a 10-hour broadcast for their sl- uh, film aid, uh, fil- uh, film drive thing for the raising the money or whatever. But so oh, they yeah. released they released part of it. They, they released uh, the, the part six. They're releasing it a little bit out of order, but it was an interview with John Chu, uh, John M. Chu, who was the director of this film, and he talked a little bit about this. And uh, he was against it being in 3D from the get-go, and finally the studio basically uh, – relented and said, yeah, you, you know, if you're not comfortable making it in 3D, well, then don't. And then they, they started having the conversation again. He's like, look, we're already filming. We're shooting it in Super 35. We can't we, – if we're going to do it in 3D, let's just post-convert it. And so they agreed to do that. And then they got down to the wire, and there was only three months left. And Paramount said, you know what? We want this film to be as good as possible. We're just going <laughs> to push the release date back until – um, until uh, we can, until, so we have the time to do this right. And, you know, I, I did feel kind of bad because the guy seemed so sincere. I, I don't, you know, I've never heard of John M. Chu before, but he, he was he was like, I really want to make the best film I possibly can. And he seemed so sincere, and I really like the guy as a guy. But I'm sitting here going, dude, I hated your film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what can you do? I mean, he, yeah. he was probably just trying to, you know, make another paycheck.
1: Yeah. But, you know, Peter Serretta and uh, Dave Chen. Uh, the hosts for that episode of the slash film cast they both at least seem to while he was on the line at least love the film, so what? yeah, I was a little surprised i didn 't take
0: wow Dave
1: Chen for someone who would like that film. if you listen to the slash film cast, that seems a little odd, but you know they had the guy on the on the podcast, so what are you going to mm.
0: do? They must like sucker punches to the head mm. okay well that 's interesting the, the The reason I wanted to bring up the 3 d and this particular point was that I saw it in 3 d I assume you didn 't
1: of course not. They, give, they okay. give 3D gives me such a headache.
0: Right, and I, I I totally understand that. I I think that's completely valid. You don't need to see 3D if it bothers you, but I know Terrible. you don't. So I did. I try to catch it if I don't already have a headache that day. I go to see a movie, uh, and I don't Cause, usually because you come like away getting a headache. No, okay. I. Okay. That's what. No, you know, I don't get the headache. It, yeah,
1: it it may be because of my glasses. Like I, I get
0: stomach aches from popcorn more often than I get you know headaches from 3D glasses.
1: Oh no, I gotta have popcorn, man. Gotta have popcorn. But, See, you you, know, know,
0: it, you have popcorn every time, don't you?
1: Pretty much, yeah. Um, there, there are huh. times when I do exercise self restraint. It's been a while, but I do occasionally. It's like, oh man, I'm I'm a little overweight as it is, and I need to lose the weight. <laughs> but but you know what? The popcorn, like you know, the calorie count's not that high. So, Deshaun,
0: so. I must have my popcorn, much much
1: <laughs> much. But yeah, no, 3D. Uh, not only is it gimmicky to me, but it gives me a headache. And and you know what? You know what? I maybe people who don't have glasses, maybe they don't think of it as much. But it, you know, I have to deal with it with my glasses, and it just drives me nuts. And I can't see the film without my glasses, so no. I I just don't like dealing with a hassle. Um, oh hey, uh, Joseph in the chat room not not Joe, not you Joe, but a Joseph in the chat room uh, mentioned that he heard that the film was delayed because of the battleship flop, and it wouldn't surprise me if they were trying to also push it back away and and distance it from that as well. It could could very well be.
0: And yeah, I you you saw that film too, right? We we both discussed that on the podcast or something
1: yeah we we talked about it. It was okay. a, It was a topic of one of our episodes.
0: okay, it's been such a long time ago. I couldn't remember if it was somehow before the podcast started or not. But anyway, yeah, I remember that film well, Joseph and that film was so atrocious i I agree that they would have gotten a lot of bad press had this film come out at the same time. And what's interesting is that the the only difference here is that this this film was delayed a year, you know. The, well, you know, the critics are still not going to like the film, but they would have obviously had all kinds of bad press had this film come out at the same time because everybody would have been talked about how, you know, Hasbro is just milking this thing to sell toys. Yeah, and,
1: I, I just located the episode that we did that. Um, it is uh, the episode title is Monopoly and Candyland. The episode number is eight. So if you go to movie by bite, dot com slash MB podcast slash eight is where that podcast is at. I'll put that in the show notes. Monopoly and Candyland
0: memory lane. Well, okay, so back to the 3D, the thing was for me, I noticed that three the 3D never bothered me, but it really didn't matter. It was such a waste of the money. Like there's been a few movies where 3D actually hampers the experience. There's sometimes where it it, it it's it, it's not necessary ever, but sometimes it actually does create a a sensation, as something that actually pays off. In this film, it did nothing for me because before f- five minutes into the film, I had utterly, completely forgot I had 3D glasses on. And all the way to the credits, credits, I, I had no awareness of it. I'm walking out of the theater with them on, and I see the 3D glasses recyclable bin in the front of me. And I'm like, oh, right. And I take off the glasses because I don't wear glasses. And I threw them away. But I- it-, it did nothing for me, people. It- this was ridiculous. I mean... To me, that's
1: typical of 3D though. It doesn't. It never does so? anything for me. I've 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 seen a few 3D movies now. As long I avoided them for a long time, and finally went and saw a few. They they, they never enhance the film at all to me. They, it's it's so gimmicky.
0: Mm. <clears throat> okay. Well, the other thing here too, we wanted to go ahead and mention on the side is that this also because of the delay. I thought this was interesting because of the delay hasbro who is selling a bunch of toys had made those toys for the release in 2012 they even were on toy store shelves and then when the movie was pushed back they had to cancel that pack up all those toys put them back into the storage until this movie came out isn't that huge talk about the expense that must have been terrible what a
1: nightmare uh, delaying a film is never a great good thing to do but you know not i mean monetarily (laughs) yeah but you know they did and and there it looks like they're gonna make their money off of it so um i wanted to deal a little bit with your bullet points here that you have when you say it's an improvement over the first film this is uh for those listening for this is theater of the mind so i'll explain i'm looking at (laughs) bullet points in our personal show outline that we put together that we kind of do that we that we ostensibly do the show from. <laughs> um, and you say better characters. I've already dealt with that. I don't agree with that at all. Mildly better dialogue. Did we watch the same films? Dialogue was <laughs> terrible in the series <laughs> film, and not it wasn't as bad in the previous film.
0: Okay, well, part of the reason that I found it better was because it was milder. The first films, uh, again, going back to the whole over-the-top macho quality of the original film, I just felt like everything was so over-self-aggrandized. And so that this film played it down somewhat, made it better—not good, but better dialogue.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. All yeah. right. Well, I, 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 I Joseph, have. To, Joe, we can still we, be friends.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, when when we get through some of these, no, I'll go ahead and preface it with this. You know what, guys? If you watched GI Joes, and if you know any friends who watched GI Joes as kids. You'll better appreciate this film over the first film a little bit, and that's the camp I land in. So, for nostalgia's sake, it felt like this film did better service to the cartoon show, and even in some unexpected ways. Uh, as a point of a uh, plot point, you know, uh, all of us old fans would remember things like uh, Duke died trying to save Flint, and in the movie, that happens. Um, so I know big spoiler alert, you know it doesn't matter that. yeah
1: i I just that that was a big thing though, like why would you kill Channing Tatum's character fifteen minutes into the movie? I don't understand that was just it's
0: it, well it, it, we know now, right? It's because the cartoon show did it, and at least ways I'm happy in a sideways way that they were doing something that was consistent with the original show. And they weren't just making up a whole new direction for these characters and giving them different personalities like they do for transformers okay whatever
1: you know the uh, the only so the only character then that remains the same that's played by the same act well okay that remain not played by the same actor because I don't know if he is or not. I haven't even looked, but uh, Snake Eyes, who's completely covered up. And you can't even see who he is, so it doesn't matter. Everybody else <laughs> is new. You've never right. seen him before, now that Channing Tatum is gone.
0: Yeah, Park played him in this movie. I'll look him up. You go ahead and talk about something else, off. I'll, I'll okay. find out if he was.
1: Mildly more coherent story. Whatever, Joe. What uh, <laughs> I found the previous story more coherent. Um, mildly, better, mildly better pacing, you say?
0: Okay, uh, uh, let me explain. No. Okay, let me explain what I mean by more coherent. Like, um, in this movie, it seemed like, even though there was still very poor excuses for the motivation of all the villains to be trying to take over the world and to be so tyrannical and to be so vengeful, uh, in the first film, it was, like, operatic, absurd, over-the-top. I just hate the world and do bad things because that's what I do and it's awesome. But then there was this like Catch 22 deal where people like Cobra Commander were doing awful things to people that mattered to them and there was no explanation for why you know Cobra Commander the guy behind the mask behind the whole military ridiculousness would hold withhold information from his sister when they were on the same side and he obviously expected her to be a great warrior there was no reason why he would hold back in personal information like that he was her brother. The movie never explains this. He goes on and allows her to experience all kinds of pain and agony and suffering on the assumption that he's dead. You know, and there's things like that that made the story incoherent like why? And then there was other moments like, you know, the what was it called, the Eiffel Tower, you know, it it collapses and very quickly the Joes move on and they really just don't care. Supposedly, the, the mop up crew will come along and take care of that, I guess. But, you know, civilians are dying left and right and it doesn't seem like the military cares. There's things like that that doesn't, it's just incoherency. And then in this film, it has it too, but not as extensively. So that, that's what I mean. It, it, it's, there's all kinds of minutiae, there's just a little less minutia in this film. Go okay. ahead, go ahead, though.
1: All right. Well, we're we're coming up on an hour, and we have another movie to review, so we need to, <laughs> we need to move on. But we should. I've already mentioned a lot of my dislikes, but Joe, if you have any you want to highlight, then any that we should interact with, go ahead.
0: Um. Okay. Well, like I said, this movie is more consistent with the original TV show. So who is this? Who who should watch this film? Fans of the old show, you just you know to kind of relive the past. It's not really made for kids because it has too much stuff that's way too violent or sensual for kids. So I don't recommend you show this to the kids nowadays that are playing with G.I. Joe toys. The toys might be good. I don't know. I haven't seen any. But Hasbro usually does good with G.I. Joe toys. They always have. Now the movie is for the dads. And (laughs) that's just weird because dads don't play with toys. So I don't know what Hasbro is doing. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. What? No, kidding. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know if we can be friends anymore dj <laughs> <laughs> right. okay as for dislikes there's all kinds of problems um the internal conflicts are ridiculous shallow and non-existent there's undynamic characters in this movie you know like the rock and general joe colton played by bruce willis um
1: completely again completely under childish like, too ugh, crazy yeah and childish
0: you know, one of the things that bugs me the most is that this this is what sets the tone for the entire film because it was so huge. It was such a big deal. You watch London blow up like in a blink of an eye. You, they don't give you more than a minute to absorb the fact that this is about to happen. And then you witness L- London leveled. And, and then it was the, just stupid, too. And then the very next scene, which is supposed to be happening at the si- same time and is still relevant to the same situation as, you know, what's going on in London, you see General Joe mow down some people at a, at a gate. Uh, that's a, uh, There's a roadblock there. The military's guarding the gate. And General Joe mows them all down from the back of an El Dorado. Oh, no, no, no. So an El Camino. And then what happens? The, the driver asks Joe, hey, are you okay? And he says... The
1: driver was Lady J, by the way.
0: Yeah. And General Joe says, oh, my cholesterol is a little high and I, this is so he uh, was so out of place oh, you just I, you no, just saw london blow up hold on
1: that's the one thing that i thought was funny it was a little bit of comic it was relief. funny
0: but it was completely it, it, poor timing
1: well but it was it was a little bit of comic relief he was obviously not serious it was just something he was you know it's something he was saying I, that i no yep, no you just
0: that. saw london explode people and and then they see that he didn't know ah uh, no excuse
1: anyway you know i yeah I, I think that uh bruce willis should not even have been in this film because they completely underused him and you know the plot was stupid anyway it's not worthy of bruce willis which but what what is with him cranking out these terrible movies mm. he's 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 zero for two this year
0: yeah you like you said yeah well the only other mention i'll make here is, is that cobra commander was completely squandered he is the most interesting character to the the nostalgic few or that want to see this be. film
1: he could be the most interesting character
0: Right. He is inherently, like the way he struts around in his bad suit, he is a rock star. But then in this movie, he does nothing. He does nothing of interest. His voice is terrible. It's not consistent with what you know about him from the original movie and the original show. Uh, it goes on and on.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right, so Joe, you give this one and a half stars, as do yeah. I. Um, IMDb gives it 6.3 stars, and you have in here, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... I <laughs> Yeah, ultimately, I felt like this film was uh, eight-year-olds playing with GI Joes, only in live, real-life action. People were <laughs> acting it out. That's what it felt like. Yeah, Which we, uh, you know, I understand. That's like that's like the root of the GI Joes is they're played with by eight-year-olds. But you don't take that and make a movie out of it. It's like making a movie out of Batman. The reason they failed for so many years is because that they tried to take the comic books and literally bring them to the, you know, to the. Uh, Screen and it took Christopher Nolan making yeah. it yet yeah, making it something worthy of the screen to actually work, and I feel like that's what they should be doing with GI Joe, and they're yes. not. They're careening as, as you once said. They're careening into the headlong into the same brambles that uh Transformers franchise is.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Well, and as far but as <laughs> see at, on the other side of it though. I still feel like this is a better direction of the franchise than what they're doing with Transformers. They've really blown it with that one.
1: Maybe slightly. Maybe slightly.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's at least ways it'll make the old fans happier. But as far as a movie is concerned, you're right. The movies are really not all that much different.
1: All right. So neither of us recommends this film. Stay away from it. Don't spend your money on it. Don't waste your money. Stay away. You've been warned. Don't see it. All right. Let's talk about the host. Far better choice to see this weekend if you haven't seen it yet. Hmm. Far, far better. Far better.
0: So, so you really liked that movie?
1: No, I wouldn't say. I, I, okay, I, I, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you what my rating of it was. I've already written the review. It was three and a half stars. I think you gave it three. Oh, so, okay. Th- but that's still a, that's a far better choice. That that's that's a pretty big gap between one and a half stars.
0: Yeah, that's worth seeing then. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I I would say that this is a good choice to see in theaters. Um, One
0: thing we probably should just get out in front, you know, just deal with now, people, is that, yes, we are saying we are adults, we are men. And this is a (laughs) Stephanie Meyer-based story. We know that. But it's actually, don't let that fool you. You know, George Lucas created the original Star Wars trilogy, and then he ruined it with the prequels. If you didn't know any better and you were just going to sit down and watch Star Wars movies and you started out with prequel number one and you had no point of reference, you would think that George Lucas was a horrible human being. And then you would well, never get to the is, end
1: of – but anyway.
0: <laughs> and you would never get to the end of – yeah, you're right. Episode three, <laughs> it, 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 before you ever got to episode four, you would have stopped watching the movies. Yep. Uh, so think about that you have to you have to continue to give them the benefit of some doubt. And here's what happened for me. When I was you know, young and foolish about three years ago, when the Twilight movies were going on, they were super popular. Everybody was wanting to go see it. And my brother actually brought up that he thought they were very culturally relevant. So he had started reading the novels. And he found them intriguing because of the approach and the way that Stephanie wrote them. Not because they were actually good material, but he found it to be interesting. So when he brought that up, I was like, my brother never reads novels. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, if my brother's reading a novel, how can I say no? And so I checked into the Twilight novels. My my wife, she got hooked on them very quickly. And so we ended up reading the novels together as a thing. And then when that was over, I thought the thing would continue while we read through the host together, but she left me hanging. And I ended up (laughs) reading the host, enjoying it, and she never read it. And so I had no one to talk about it with. But I also anticipated that there would be a movie for it very quickly, and there was. By the time I had finished reading the book, the movie had been announced. And so I thought, oh, okay, that's good to know. And I was glad I read the book. I think it was a better book than the Twilight books. And as it turns out, the movie is, on the whole, a better movie and a better representation of its source material, in my mind, than the Twilight films. So, if you had to do a toss-up, people, the host is better than Jajo, we've made that clear. And two, the host is better than Twilight films.
1: I would say, as a whole, the universe of the host I like better than the universe of the Twilight. Now, I have to, as I mentioned in our review of the the previous Twilight, the last Twilight film, I feel like the core idea, the the what makes up the the stuff of the universe of the Twilight series, the Twilight saga, is a great concept. It's just poorly executed. Especially the love parts are poorly executed. Uh, nonetheless, I. I I enjoy fantasy and I enjoy sci-fi and there's a lot of fantasy and I suppose you could say a little bit of a sci-fi element in twilight and I enjoyed it on that level. People, uh, people uh, are constantly giving me grief about that, both in the comments on the site (laughs) and elsewhere in in, in the real world. And that's okay. I'm a big boy. I can put up with that.
0: Mm, You are, you are a sucker for sci-fi. So,
1: but the host is a lot of sci-fi and it has less of that cheesy love stuff. Um, which which Stephanie Meyer has no idea how to write. She doesn't know what real love is, and just ugh. um But the the host doesn't have as much of it in there. So overall, I would say yes. Although I I think that there are. I'm trying to think. Was is there any of the Twilight films I would rate higher than three and a half stars? Uh, probably not. So yeah, I, I guess this comes up to that level. What what did I rate? I'm I'm trying to remember because I did I did a review for one of the Twilight films. What did I rate it? I want to make sure I'm not contradicting myself. But mm. um.
0: Well, let me go ahead and go through some of the details. So this movie came out March 29th. That is the host came out March 29th and it had a budget of 40 million, which is what just a third or so of what they had. No, a fourth of what they or so of what they had for the GI Joe movie. And I think it was money better spent opening weekend, though. It only made 10.6 million back and total worldwide to date is 31 million, which is uh, unfortunate. They'll be doing pretty good if they can break even now. And oh, they're
1: not going to break even. It's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, you know, well, maybe after they start, you know, selling blue blue rays or who knows what.
1: Well, sure, I'm talking about the box office, though. It's not going to happen,
0: <laughs> right? Um, now, the general acclaim is that it's been poorly scripted and dramatically ineffective. The host is mostly stale and tedious. With moments of unintentional hilarity. That's how Rotten Tomatoes puts it.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't completely agree with that, although I do admit that the movie sagged a little bit in the middle under the weight of the Yeah, usually,
0: it. I'll agree. Um, this time around, I'm just going to say that uh, if you weren't altogether paying attention to the film and you had your phone and you were like eyeing Facebook every five minutes like so many people do now in the which, movie theaters. Which, which if you do
1: that in the movie theater, I will beat you. Yeah. Don't do it. It's bad.
0: Yeah you, it, it sounds like that summation was written by one of those people, just um, somebody that was kind of tuning out the film and listening to it as background noise, occasionally looking up to see somebody kiss and then looking back down at their Facebook. Um, so I don't agree with that. So th- that is an overall statement about the film.
1: No, I don't either.
0: No, what were you looking up? You're rating for the Breaking Dawn oh, or Breaking something? Breaking Dawn.
1: I did rate three and a half. And, and and I don't... That was Breaking Dawn Part 2. I did like Breaking Dawn Part 1 a little better than Breaking Dawn Part 2. But at the mm. same time, I don't know that I would rate it any higher as far as a star rating. <laughs> so the point is, I guess there probably isn't any Twilight films that I would rate higher than three and a half stars. So I think it's safe to say... And the host got a three and a half star rating from me. And the, pr- the reason that it didn't go higher than that, even though I loved the concept of the host... Was because of some scripting problems and and some uh, serious acting problems. Uh, not not with, uh, I don't remember how to say her name, Sir Royce Ronan.
0: Oh, it's Shersha.
1: Shersha. What? It doesn't look yeah, anything go like figure. that. <laughs> okay, We have a Shersha. video about this. We yeah, can put the video in the Yeah, I was show thinking notes. about that when I said I said, you Shersha know, I'm, Ronan. I'm betraying the fact that I think you posted that during my week of chaos. And so I didn't yes. see it.
0: Yeah, it was Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse yeah. Ronan.
1: Okay. Anyway, she's a fine actress, but some of the other acting in this film is so bad that that, that <laughs> kind of brought the star rating down for me. So be, so between some of the bad scripting, the sagging of the plot in the middle a little bit, the boringness, and some of the poor acting, it, it kind of brought it down to about three and a half stars for me. I toyed with three stars. So, mm. so I wanted to like it more than I did because I love the concept and I, I kind of like the story.
0: So, uh, speaking of story, here's a little bit of what we have. Now, you weren't happy with this uh, summation. I wasn't either, but uh, no, this no, is in what fact, the studio released.
1: I was going to say, let's, let's read the summation from the review. It's far better than the summation you have in this outline from the review on the, on the website, on, okay. on moviebite.com, Don't you think?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, all right. I'm good with that.
1: So, aliens have invaded Earth, infiltrated society, and taken over the bodies of most of the entire human race. Melanie is one of the few Ooh. humans still living as a human. She, her boyfriend Jared, and her brother Jamie are desperate to find (laughs) rations and supplies before they flee from a city overrun by the alien body snatchers, aliens that call themselves souls. To Melanie's chagrin, she is caught and her body is taken over by one of the souls named Wanderer. Wanderer is used used to this sort of thing. She's lived many lives over over on other planets and dwelling other creatures' bodies. The human body, along with its incredible will to create, culture, and express emotions, enraptures Wanderer. She is deeply moved by the human way of life, and she is excited to live a new lifetime in her host, Melanie. But Melanie's heart and mind are very active. She fights Wanderer for control of their body's actions. Wanda, as Wanderer, is eventually nicknamed. uh, Wanda, as Wanderer, is eventually nicknamed. Slowly but surely sees Melanie's point of view. She comes to grips with the horrors caused by the human race her alien souls have inflicted. Inevitably, Wanda wants to restore Melanie to the life she took from her. She also wants to shake the seeker soul that that wants to eliminate the last pockets of human resistance. None of this is easy for Wanda. By the time she wants to give Melanie her life back, she has to come to she has come to love the people that Melanie lived with. Melanie's brother, Jamie, might as well have been Wanda's brother. So what's to be done with Wanda if she doesn't have a human body to host?
0: And, uh on paper and, yeah, uh, and and spoken out loud that still doesn't sound like a great premise
1: oh i disagree i think that's a great premise i,
0: I think it. it's interesting but it leaves out some of the things that make this feel like a more complete uh story like well, there's as
1: all it's called the summary <laughs> yeah
0: it's a it's a huge summary that's boiling down a lot there's not much more to say about the villain uh without giving away spoilers and Because this film is already not like astoundingly awesome. I didn't want to give away too many. Should you see it? I wanted you to enjoy some of it. But then as far as it pertains to like sort of the background of all the other good guy characters that hang out in the desert, there's a lot to be said there. That was actually mighty impressive stuff that were good for sci-fi stuff that was good for this adventure and uh, this uh, well just the sci-fi. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a great sci-fi premise and and you know, I mentioned in my in my review, uh, I guess you should say our joint review <laughs> since you started it and then I finished it. Um it it uh it reminded me a lot of the plot of the premise of the um villains from the Stargate SG1, that of
0: the Goa'uld. Now can um, you explain that a little bit better because I've never seen that show?
1: Oh, we have to fix that, Joe. We have to fix that. You must watch Stargate SG1. It's mm. a requirement of all anybody who wants to be my friend must watch that show. Um so okay so the Gould are um a kind of a snake-like water-based race but they um they inhabit human bodies and then they they are very uh they're, they're far different from the souls in that they are very overtly evil. They conquer, they rule over humans, they use them as slaves. They they take their bodies and use them. Uh they have no conscience um they're very technologically advanced they have advanced weapons that they use that they can use against earth and 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 that sort of thing that but the but the concept is that they enter through the back of the neck usually and they're like a parasitic being and they take over the, a body as a
0: host mm.
1: so it's it's the same very similar concept
0: yeah well okay well that, that then that's that then i guess i've i still i mm i think you, that the you need villains, to watch
1: stargate sg1 that's what you need to do
0: what's interesting though is how this one is different that's what my my train of thought was in this in this scenario it introduces all these souls as the bad guys but very quickly we have to acknowledge the main protagonist is one of the souls and she's just you know going along to try and figure out this world and what she thinks yeah and by the time she comes to her own conclusions, you realize, yeah, it's kind of obvious and inevitable. She would actually side with the human race.
1: Yeah, no, I, I saw that coming, but I, I did think that it was an interesting concept. Like I, at first, I thought, I don't know if I'm going to like this, because like, I, I knew going in that Wanderer was the protagonist, but it was, it was very well. Um, I mean, I liked that concept actually. Once we got into it, like making your protagonist the same race. Uh, as the, the as the race who are oppressing the humans, I, I thought yeah. it was I thought it actually worked well. It gave it gave some drama. Some of some of the only drama, unfortunately, because of script weaknesses that we saw.
0: Well, what you expect somewhat is for the humans to be far more aggressive and violent towards the uh, the souls in general. But they're very downtrodden, and they're not very interested in drawing attention to themselves. It's not like they're trying to take back the planet or anything. At this right. point, the souls own the world. They, yes. They've they infiltrated every country, society, and there's practically no everyday humans around. So it is actually kind of interesting. What would you do if you were a human in that scenario? And that premise is mighty interesting. So you get to explore that with Wanda as she's getting to meet and know all these, you know, humans, and she has to decide how well where does she fit in. Clever stuff as a premise. And back to Saoirse Ronan, I I feel like saying again, she did a great job.
1: Oh, I liked her. She was the uh, well well deserved star of this film. I mean, like she. She pulled off that role beautifully. And and you really did believe that there were two people inhabiting that body. Uh yeah. it, it was one well done. Even 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 overcoming like you could see in the back of my head I could see you know what that script could have been better written for her, but she made it work most of the time for her. Right. Uh, other other actors in this film did not do as well with the poor script.
0: Right. I agree. Um even some of the people that I expect more out of like William Hurt and you know Diane Kruger, she doesn't usually act much better than she did in this film. But William Hurt, especially, I think he's a very capable actor. He did okay. I really liked his role in uh, the Village. It was just so subtle and nuanced. And yeah, in this story, he he does it, it does it justice, but not nuanced.
1: Well, I think again, I'll, I'll say it again. I felt like they shot the first draft of the script, like nobody refined that script and he was writing a bad script and, and he, his character was not given a lot of character development. He was what he was throughout the entire film. He didn't grow anywhere. He didn't, he was, he, from the very get go, he was defending Wanderer and trying to, um, trying to be her friend and that, that he was just a good guy and there wasn't anything for him to work through in that regards. He just, he was a protector and that's the way it was. Right. And, and that's the same with most of the characters except for Melanie and Wanderer.
0: Right. You nailed it. Um, you want to talk about some of the likes?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we've already done that. I, I, okay. I, I, I really like the premise. I really like, uh, you know, despite what I'm going to say, what I have okay. already said of my dislikes, I did like the film well enough to see it again someday.
0: Um, and the, well and the reason for me too, the reason I would be interested to see it as well, is that again, the premise is good from beginning to end. Two, the performance of Sarah ronan from beginning to end. Three, uh the film isn't all in all like poorly executed. Just the middle. So I really thought the beginning yeah. was good and well, I thought look, the ending was good. Yeah, yeah, the let's climax. Talk, let's talk was about great. the
1: let's talk about the ending. I liked most of the ending. Uh in fact, um, I, I I had a little bit of sand. I had to get out of my eye. You know how that yeah, is. Yeah, um, I did too. And 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 that to me is which the which is fine unexpected
0: of, for a bad, you know, for a terrible second act. Right. To when the second act was up so bad, moment.
1: I thought, oh boy, <laughs> this is not good. But yeah, it really it it came and redeemed itself um, with a very emotionally powerful climax that 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 really even had you on the edge of your seat. Like on the one hand, you're like, well, surely, surely, what what they're proposing here, what 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 Wanderer is proposing. As a solution to this problem, surely they're not going to let that stand in the story, and and yet you they it was done in such a way that well apparently they are, and I'm not going to give it away, but uh y- you know go see the film for yourself, but yeah it was a very compelling end the the only part of the end that I didn't like was the very very end that that just felt a little for those who have seen the film <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about it felt a little right. too um <laughs> a convenient.
0: <laughs> uh, in in a way, it almost seemed to allude to a potential sequel, but you know, like maybe what a an Avengers movie might do at the end of the credits, show a little clip of something that hints at, and there will be more. But at the same time, based on everything we've already heard from Stephanie Meyer and the word, you know, she she's keeping her word to her fans. Um, she doesn't is- want. Well, she's made it very clear. There's not going to be a sequel.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I find that surprising because there is a little bit of a hook there like that was obvious that they left it open for that and yet at yeah. the same time it's not surprising and I don't think there will be one even if that one had been thought of I don't because think there would be at this it's, point because yeah, it's, 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 it's doing terrible mess. and yeah. you know I, I think it, I do have to say I want to say this right here and right now I think it's unfortunate because I believe that the reason this film is getting a bad rap is because it is Stephanie Meyer I think that's really the only reason that it's getting as bad of a rap as it is yeah so, fair
0: enough um, but Ugly. yeah, I,
1: I think that it started out well and it ended well, and those are the most important things. If it grabs you and keeps you in the theater, like I never wanted to walk out, even though it was a little boring in the middle.
0: But I'm, maybe what we haven't said is why it's boring in the middle. <laughs> and it's a pro, it's the problem with all this ro- bad romance, the lovey dovey mess.
1: Yes, that that's where you start flushing out because okay, the 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 guy that. Um, that Melanie was uh, Max Irons, yeah, the his, actor. her boyfriend. That Melanie's boyfriend was there, where where Wanderer went, uh, where they were seeking refuge. He was there, and so he's in the mix. But then you've got another boy who Wanderer falls in love with. This is so classic, Stephanie Meyer, too. The kind of the love triangle. Only it's not a triangle because it is actually four people, so it's kind of a quadrangle. But two, you know, two people inhabiting one body, and so that that's a little bit of a mess. And as you, you said, that it's better flushed out and better hashed out in the book. And, it and, is. And I do find it a lot easier to stomach than the triangle thing that was in Twilight. I there's do two, find that much easier. There's
0: two reasons why any novel usually excels better than its movie adaptation. One, they can get into the the mind of the protagonist or the mind of the villain, whoever the main central dude is, that's kind of telling the story to the audience. So you really feel like you have an intimate connection and understanding with the character of Wanda, the alien who also 100 percentile experiences the mind and the, and the heart of Melanie, the, the, the body that she's living in. Yeah. And uh, th- that was really clever. That, and so while it, it, that you could feel like you were getting two characters for the price of one, as I say, that in the novel, this story was being told by Wanda. But at the same time, Wanda knew and evoked everything that Melanie was going through too. So you were getting this double-minded sort of experience from one person, and that was pretty well executed. So then the other thing that really makes a novel in general excel over a movie is that it's more about uh, your mind's eye is what shows you the story. Your own mind imagines that these people appear believable, how they might appear in the real world. And you're imagining that these things are true because your own, imagine, own imagination is trying to appreciate the story for what it's worth. I mean, if you're going to waste you know hours reading a novel and or a Stephanie novel, a Stephanie Meyer novel, it'll be many hours. You're you're going to want to somehow appreciate that experience, right? So you're telling yourself this is basically a believable story, and it, may, it and with that in mind. I can see how this movie could have been told and have been very believable, very relatable, and connected with the audience and just wowed everybody and, and blew everybody away. Because my own mind is telling me that story really works. The, you know, the, the, even the, the, the lame boyfriend really works in, in my mind's eye the way I saw it when I read the book. Um, and, you know, they just don't, in, in watching the movie, the, the boyfriend's uh, uh poorly done in every way, I think that the director probably didn't seem to, he didn't seem to be all that interested in them he didn't seem to yeah. it didn't even seem like uh the character Melanie and Wanda it could connect with them because of shortcomings with the script and the dialogue yep. so anything that was special had little to do with all of this love baggage going on throughout the film.
1: I agree. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, we should talk about our dislikes, and we, then we need to wrap it up. Um, <clears throat> I I think that most of my dislikes come from the middle of the film, and and one of them I'll just kind of demonstrate a scene that I felt like 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 this is kind of the the script weakness. This this should have been this this whole scene should have been cut in the second draft of the script when you you know go through and start honing that script down, and that's a scene where. Wanda, you know, because throughout most of the film, Melanie is talking to Wanda inside of her head. Um, You know, she can't really control the body unless she gets really angry and can sometimes, you know, affect movement quickly, like make her hand slap. What's his name? You know, but (laughs) but for the most part, she's trapped in there and Wanda doesn't control the body. And um, so she's talking the whole time in her head to to uh, Wanda. Melanie is. And then. Without any warning, like she was just talking to her and then all of a sudden Wonder is running around going, I don't hear her in my head anymore and it's been three days since I've heard her and I don't know what to do. Oh, and, and she really hates it when her boyfriend kisses me because she's not really kissing Melanie, she's kissing me and so I'll make him do that and that'll wake her up and that'll bring her back and that's what happened and then that was it. And it's like the whole scene should have been cut like there was no point to that scene. <laughs> that, that, that's just a demonstration of the weakness, I think, of the, the script, and, and why it, it just felt like we're shooting the first draft. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on that?
0: Mm, no, I I I I disagree. I just I just agree. You know, uh, you say you disagree. No, I I do agree. You do
1: agree. Okay. <laughs> um, Joseph uh, asks in the chat room. Not not you, Joe. That's confusing. We got to get him a new name. <laughs> um, he asks in the chat room. So is the host a sci-fi chick flick? A little bit. There's a bit of a chick flick um, uh, aspect to it, for sure.
0: Well, in my original uh, draft of our review, I said that exactly at the end of my synopsis. Oh, did you? I said, so this is a sci-fi chick mm, flick for teenage girls, I wouldn't wouldn't quite
1: call it a chick flick, but there's a little bit of that aspect to it, for sure. Mm. But I think think it rises above that. I think it's more than that. But yes, I I think that that, yeah.
0: But unfortunately, I just don't think that enough people (laughs) are going to get past it and not enough people that are going to really appreciate what you just said, that this, there's more to this than just being a chip flick, you know? Um,
1: well, I mean, everybody has to make their own opinion, their own judgment of the film.
0: Well, for instance, here's an example of like something that f- felt like it was made up by a someone who doesn't even really appreciate sci-fi, uh, but appreciates telling a girl story, uh, one of the great contrivances, at least ways it feels in the movie, is how these souls get to and from planet Earth. Early in the film, they demonstrate this very elaborate sort of landing strip place where the souls are set to Earth. And it looks like energy, an energy field made up of straight lines that interconnect. And it looks kind of like a web, but it's not. And it's out floating above the ground and little pods can come down to these landing dock stations amongst the polygon shaped web and the, you know the pod souls can get out that way and then uh, they can also be sent off that way so at the near the end of the film it doesn't take much for some uh some of these to be shipped off of planet earth uh these little silvery pods with souls inside of them place them on a pedestal, and basically just stand back and, woo, they're gone. They're up in space. They're sent off to the other end of the galaxy, who knows where. And it it looked like, yeah, someone really didn't think this through. There's, like, it doesn't seem... Plausible, believable, convincing, yeah, realistic. That, that part any didn't way, bother me. I mean,
1: because it is science fiction, and, and that but wasn't. But that's the, my thing. It wasn't that, even
0: good science fiction.
1: Uh, it was fine. It wasn't. It wasn't really the point of the story. It was fine. Mm. Anyway, let us let, bring this in for a landing. What what's your what's your bottom line here? What what should people take away from your opinion of this film, Joe? Uh,
0: I like the host movie because the novel is decent, and I didn't expect much from the film after the Twilight movies. But when I saw it, it was actually better than I had anticipated. So that's something to say for it. And I do like Saoirse Ronan, a great actress, and I'm going to be paying attention to her career. She she redeemed some several parts of this otherwise average movie she made it a little bit better than it it probably was had just another average sort of person been playing her part yep and uh the romance is very laborious laborious laborious, labor yeah is that how you pronounce that laborious
1: yes you were homeschooled weren't you
0: yeah (laughs) i was i have
1: the same I, i have had the same problem Okay. I, I, I've ever read lots of big words. I've not heard them said.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's what we'll blame it on. And uh, so because of all that bad romance, it just stuff that didn't work in the movie for the second act. It just kind of washes out the middle act.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to say come for the performance of Saoirse Ronan. She did a great job. Stay for the emotional uh, climax of the film. Uh, you know, all in all, um, as with Twilight, I find the premise to be rock solid and the execution in the middle of the film be somewhat lacking. Um, but I, I do prefer this universe to, to that of Twilight and wish that we could have more in this universe. Um, you know, because it's not Bella pining over Edward's liquid topaz eyes, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, no, anyway. Yeah, there was no such te- cheesiness here.
1: Yeah, not, it w- never went there. So, I, uh, I think that's it. What, what do you rate this film?
0: Three stars, yeah, three stars.
1: I give it three and a half out of five. And uh, there you go. That's that's I think that kind of concludes our thoughts on G.I. Joe ret- uh, retaliation and the host.
0: It's a wrap until right. this weekend when the real wrap occurs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll be doing the wrap uh, on Friday. All right. So next week, we're going to be talking about the movie 42. Uh, it is um, it, it's the story of Jackie Robinson and uh, his history uh, making signing with the Brooklyn Dodgers under the guidance of team executive Branch Rickey it stars uh Chadwick Boseman and Harrison Ford. So I'm looking forward to that. I I have seen a trailer for it. I think it looks like it has potential to be good. So I'm looking forward to it. I am hoping that it's uh hoping it's a good one. I'm not I'm not particularly keen on sports films, but I've seen some good ones and so yeah. What do you think, Joe?
0: I think there's some drama to be had here. And yeah. uh the, and it's a great piece of baseball history. So if yeah. they can stick to it, then I I'll be impressed actually.
1: (laughs) Yep. That's, that's coming out this weekend. So we'll see that. And we'll talk about it next week on the movie Bite podcast, episode number 40. Uh, all right, Joe, where can people, uh, keep up with you, uh, on the internet?
0: Um, well, I am at, uh, dot net. That's my personal site. It'll take you to jivingjackalope.net. That's me. Um, and if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm just at Joseph Darnell and I'm also on Facebook if that's your thing.
1: Yep. You can find me, uh, of course, at moviebyte.com I post every single weekday at moviebyte.com except for last week. Uh, but I post every single weekday at movie Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am TJ Draper pro. Uh, you can, uh, find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash TJ Draper. And, uh, that's it. That's where you can find me and Joseph. And so, uh, yeah, this is not coming in for landing very smoothly. <laughs> that's a wrap. That's it. That's a, That's it for us. We're out of here. See
0: so, yeah, signing off.